The stories contained in this podcast are the recollections of the guests we've invited onto the show. We are an outlet for people to share their truths, and we accept no legal responsibilities for the stories contained herein. I'm Kendra Sheets. And I'm Rich Gill. And this is Enough, a podcast that aims to shine light into the darkened corners of the music industry while discussing the ways we can and should improve ourselves and in turn our community. Welcome back to another episode of the Enough Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Kendra Sheets. And I am your other host, Rich Gill. And today we are very excited uh, for this episode of the Enough Podcast to welcome our second artist slash author to the show. Uh, We talk a lot about how there are no instruction manuals for what to do and some of the situations that we cover on this podcast. Uh, But today... We have someone who literally wrote the book on how to make venues and other spaces where people gather for shows and events safer. Today, we're talking to War on Women uh, front person and author of Making Spaces Safer, A Guide to Giving Harassment the Boot. Wherever you work, play, and gather, we have Shauna Potter. Hi. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Before we really dive into stuff, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your involvement in the punk scene and all of the amazing things that you do? Oh, geez. Okay. (laughs) I don't know. I'm some lady that cares about everybody having a good time. Everyone deserves to have a good time. And that's kind of like the thing I keep coming back to. Maybe it's like my thesis in life or something. So to do that, that we need to know what to do when we see harassment or, you know, we need to know how to prevent it or respond to it. Maybe also sometimes we need to be angry and yell in our punk bands to, you know, have a release and like mm-hmm. have this communal experience of live music. Like that can be a good time, even though it could be serious or frustrating. I've been playing music since I was 12 and like touring since I was like 15. And wow. I would say I've been punk Like, I think this is the first band where it's like the genre of punk, you know, like we're a punk rock band and all the other bands I've been in was punk in the spirit sense, right? In the, we're doing what we want. We're going against the grain. Like, uh, we're doing something no one else is doing or wants to listen to, or, you know, (laughs) no one wants to pay us to do it, you know, things like that. So I don't know. I don't know how, uh much I want to take on some mantle of like I'm a punk and so can you but (laughs) but in a way like it's true like it's kind of not about the genre of music for me it's about what we're doing what we're challenging what we're resisting and what we're saying I love it that's exactly how I feel about the genre too yeah hard same across the board um so one of the things one of the reasons why we started the podcast um, was because I would have a lot of conversations with people about what is going on in the music industry in general, but specifically our sect of the, our little sect of the the corner of the world of the music industry. And um, everyone would kind of acknowledge that there's a problem, but no one really knows what to do. They didn't know, you know, if they did one thing, was it going to ostracize them? If they did something else, you know, was it the right option? What did they, they don't want to misspeak. They don't want to make anyone feel bad, but they also want to kind of, you know, live within this punk mindset. So we wanted to kind of put something together because it seemed like uh, kind of similar to what Rich was saying in the intro. There's there's no real guidebook until you wrote the guidebook. So for us, we were kind of like, <laughs> maybe we could do kind of a podcast guidebook or a guide pod. 
Love it. <laughs> guide pod. So, yeah. Yes, guide pod. <laughs> we're changing. We're rebranding. Um, so how can we as individuals make safer spaces for those that are around us, but not just at shows in everyday life, in all aspects of the punk scene, in the music industry, and just our regular day-to-day life? Yeah, there's well, there's kind of a couple points of entry. One is thinking about all the things you can do to try to prevent harassment and violence. And another one is knowing what to do when it inevitably happens, right? So you want to like reduce the chances of it happening in the first place, but then respond appropriately if it does. And so, you know, the proactive things are reading my book, right? Educating yourself, researching, whatever, learning what you can, listening to people, as well as, uh, you know, when you're in charge of a space in some way or even like on a stage or you know you're like the lead barista you know you might have some say that you can put up a sign that says no racism no homophobia no sexism no bullshit tolerated so signage is a big thing and then realizing that you probably need some sort of formal protocol for when stuff happens like everyone just needs to be on the same page because if you're not, everyone might have a good idea about what to do. But if you're on the same team, if you're working at the same place, everyone needs to know what everyone else knows, if right. that makes sense, so that you can better work together and like present a united front and just like and even simplify it. And uh, so some things like that. And then as far as responding to it, uh, everyone should learn bystander intervention. Like yes. 100 um, percent. That is something that I teach. That's one of the things I do. I'd say my main gig is doing safer space trainings and bystander intervention trainings and doing feminist consulting and, you know, like anything at all related to this work. So I'm available if anyone wants to hire me. Uh, But it's also it's online. You can look it up. There's videos. There's articles. Uh, Just learn the five D's of bystander intervention so that when something happens, you know what to do without making it worse. Also, without casting judgment on either party. You know, um, because it's okay that you might not know all the details. Like, and the point is just to make the people involved feel better in the moment and move past it without it escalating. Not casting judgment is always hard in any situation just because of our preconceived notions. So that's a big one for people to unlearn and relearn. Yeah. Yeah. I 100% agree. (laughs) So the book came out in 2019, correct? I think, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Around that same time, you you wrote an article of five things that people get wrong about safer spaces. And just as a side note, I do uh, appreciate they use the term safer spaces because, Mm -hmm. you know, as we all know, there's no such thing as a 100% complete, like, safe space. And we're just looking to make spaces safer for everyone. Yes. Um, So kind of looking back on those things, uh, on the book and the article... um, especially the the five things that people get wrong about safer spaces. Do you feel that those things still kind of apply in today's world? Or do you think um, people have gotten better about understanding the idea of safer spaces? Or uh, have things gotten worse after, you know, everyone was gone for like three years in their COVID bubble? We forgot how to act around other people. <laughs> yeah. Forgot how to, you know, talk to people and act around people and treat people Um yeah, just kind of curious how you've seen things change. Yeah, yeah. I I would say, you know, generally, you know, things are better uh, from they were like 20 years ago or something, 10 years ago. I remember seeing signage about, you know, 
no harassment tolerated only in like super DIY anarchist like house shows or something, you know? And now I feel like I see uh, Black Lives Matter, Trans Lives Matter, like in all kinds of different, you know, businesses. And so it, it, it seems like more people care and they're aware that the people coming into their space are bringing in all the shit that they have to deal with in life. And that by running a space, you have an opportunity to let them set it down for a minute, lighten their load for a minute, let them have a good time, right? Enjoy their coffee, enjoy the show, whatever. So in general, I think it's gotten better. Uh, losing our social skills over the pandemic is certainly a part of it. Like, I certainly, like, I have sympathy for it because I am one of those people. Like, it's very easy for me to stick my foot in my mouth or the way that I get a little too familiar. Like, oh, we're just having fun, right? Like, I'll just say something really sarcastic that I don't mean, but it can sound like really rude and then I have to go I don't I don't mean that I'm so sorry oh my god you know like even though I do this work and I'm like anti-violence and not anti-harassment like I'm still human so I have sympathy for that for sure but also people are just drained they're exhausted they're having to remain hyper vigilant they're fucking broke they don't have time to think about stuff like this necessarily if they're only concerned with surviving and then at the end of the day they're so tired they just need to like escape through television you know or media you know whatever 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 their escape is so um i get it it's hard it's hard to focus on this stuff so i would say a lot of the stuff from the article is true it's really funny revisiting this article because it, it kind of reminded me like Oh, yeah, there's a reason I don't call myself a writer, an author, you know, like like I wrote a book about things I know, but oh, I am not a writer. And I could really tell in the intro to this article. <laughs> um, I'm doing a good job putting a few sentences together, that's for sure. But the ideas are sound, people. The ideas are sound. And if I remember correctly, one of the misconceptions is uh, like that doesn't happen here or it's not a big deal or so that's the one that I wanted to bring up to address is it's still happening it is a big deal to the people that experience it and it actually doesn't cost it doesn't have to cost anything like financially to and 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 almost barely cost anything at all mentally to do, to to do it to make it better to make a space safer like there's really not a ton that you have to do and it doesn't have to be like all these huge big grand gestures or anything it's really just a bunch of like small things easy to do easy to implement things that make sense that are common sense um and that are sustainable and that's like that was a big goal of the book to make it something actionable that people could actually do so that they weren't like yeah whatever that seems like a faraway dream like right like here's 10 things you can do right now since the book came out have you seen a change in tour dynamics or venue safety yeah i'd say generally uh, bands are more aware even just things like uh was it travis scott at a festival in houston mm -hmm. someone died in the audience yeah. even just the idea that like oh as an artist on stage, maybe I have some responsibility to what's going on with the audience or I don't want to get sued for whatever's going on in the audience. Like whatever their intentions are, what the, the thought behind it is, like artists are more aware of audience safety, if that makes sense. So just generally, I think. And that definitely applies to harassment and assault, of course. 
right when the book was coming out, I had a few bands, um, you know, buy bulk copies to give away to venues they were playing. That was like, that's awesome that I was doing, which I would love to do again. Or they'd buy copies to sell at the merch table. Uh, You know, there's a discount when you buy in bulk from AK Press. And so I encourage any band to do that, any venue, uh, to just have copies at the ready because it's filled with the kind of information that is meant to be shared. This is like basic stuff everyone should know. And the more people know it, then the more people can feel safer at shows and more welcome at shows. But yeah, I think generally the tide is turning and maybe we were just like halted for a little bit because of the pandemic. And I don't know how free we will be to think about these things on a mass scale until I think people can put down the burden of the pandemic a little bit. I think we're, we're still carrying around. It's still happening. There's still a lot of death. There's still a lot of uncertainty. There's still a lot of brokenness, like fucking financial shit. You know, Um, these are real concerns of survival. And so I think when we can just take a breather, finally, then we can really start worrying about everyone's safety. But the thing is, like, in the meantime, people are still being harassed. Hate crimes have been going up since 2016. Like, it's a problem. So anyone that has the bandwidth to care about this, to invest in this in any way, I feel like has an obligation to go ahead and do what they can. While some of the rest of us have to, you know, wait, wait a minute, catch up, you know, finish surviving and then get to the next phase, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I think you bring up a really interesting point. Um, you had mentioned the survival mode kind of situation uh, a few times, even pre-pandemic. So many people mm-hmm. are, you know, we've we've we're all broke. We've always been broke. <laughs> it just gets worse and worse. And then we had to live through, you know, the entire political cycle of the last, you know, presidential term, um, which was also exceedingly exhausting. And so, I, I think one of the great things that you've done in putting the book together is you're really giving people an an easy way to digest information. It's basically pocket-sized. You can carry it around anywhere you want to. And it's a really great jumping-off point where even if, if you don't know what to do and you don't have a lot of energy, you can sit down and read like five pages every few days. And you'll you'll get through it pretty quick. And there's nothing in there that we don't, I think, as a like as the punk scene, we already know where we should be. We're just not making yeah. moves to get there. Yeah. Because... Sometimes because of the survival mode, we're just so stuck. We need someone to almost handhold us through some of the process. Yeah. And I think, you know, and I don't mean handhold in a negative way. But no, no. And that's really what, what you've been doing for the community, which is really great. Thank you. Wow. All of that is very high praise. And I'll tell you, like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I didn't go to college. You know, uh, I didn't want to write a book that, that was academic that would exclude anyone. And and I, I fully admit, uh, anytime I'm asked, anytime it comes up, like, there's plenty of stuff in that book that I, I did not create. Like, right. I, I really do feel like it was my calling to uh, take things that already existed out in the world that are related and put them together in one book, right, one place where you could find everything you need start to finish for this specific kind of task, right? Making a space safer. And there's also stuff that I did create and or had a part in creating. And so, you know, yes, I I just I wanted it to be uh, as easy as, hey, here's this book. And then you're like, cool, 
here's my plan now. I like I don't need to come up with a plan. Here's my plan. It's right here. It's laid out. It makes sense. It tells you why we're doing the things we're doing. It shows the research for any of the skeptics that need statistics and numbers to care about people. You know, I'm not one of those people, but, you know, for those that are and uh, and really says like, OK, here you go. Let's do this, because I have often felt that way myself as an ally, like realizing, OK, I know that this ism is bad. Like, right. what do I do? And it can be really insulting to marginalized groups. When you say, cool, 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 tell me what to do, tell me what to do. Like, right. It puts the burden on them. Yeah, that is not, that's not fair. But that feeling that I'm feeling is valid, makes sense, it's human, and it works as long as I'm making sure to also continue to learn and educate myself and research. You know, like, I can't just only be about action. I have to uh, get my mind right around it all, right? But I thought, okay, well, I'm sure I'm not the only one that feels that way that's like yeah harassment's bad what do i do just tell me something to do right so i cannot feel hopeless or overwhelmed and so hopefully that's what this book does one of the numerous things that we always talk about on this podcast is that um the conversation around a lot of this stuff is constantly changing and we're always learning new things and you know i know both kendra and i have said we can look back at episodes that we did a year and a half ago be like oh i maybe wouldn't have said that now because mm -hmm. of stuff that i've learned not me i don't listen to any of the episodes because yeah. i hate my voice so much so i think <laughs> you have no fine. idea yeah <laughs> I, I hope i did a great job yeah i feel that way now that i have a podcast i i you just sort of have to decide well of course i'm going to grow and learn as time moves on and it has to live in a certain time yeah. you know and you have to just sort of like accept it and forgive yourself for making mistakes sometimes, as long as you know that along the way you've been trying your best the whole time. So that's, right. uh, I feel you, is what I'm saying, Rich. So with with that in mind, is there anything you've sort of learned or um, stuff that has come out since you put the book out that you wish you could go back and put in or stuff that um, you maybe feel a little differently about now? Mm. No, yeah, right when the book came out, I started a Google Doc and I just called it second edition. And I was just like okay. ready. I was ready for like a bunch of people to tell me how terrible the book was and how wrong oh, I got it and like all kind. Well, you know, because it's lefty. So yeah. I was like expecting yeah. <laughs> the infighting, you know, where we hold ourselves to like so much higher standards than we hold everybody else, you know. So I was I was just trying to prepare myself mentally for that. Um, I'd say, but but I I really kind of only at the beginning got a couple people that with love were like, here's a couple things that could have been in there, you know. So so there's no hate, which is awesome. And then it kind of died off, and I didn't hear from people. So I looked at my notes today to prepare for this, and mostly it was just like a couple like specific things like here's here's a couple more things you could do to make a space accessible to people who are with disabilities right but i already talk in the book about we should make our spaces right. more inclusive for people with disability like that's not like that's not a new concept for the book but maybe like a very specific put the put the you know is this wheelchair accessible information on the flyer for the event not just on the website or something you know so like little things that would certainly help but in a way, because things we know things will change and and uh, 
concepts will become more developed and people, uh, you know, marginalized groups, their preferences will change, preferences will change over time. You know, I almost kind of hope that I wrote the book in a way that it's like specific enough so you can get shit done, but also vague enough, also malleable enough to be like, well, that specific thing is not like totally what I'm going through. But the concept applies and I can I can still apply this to my life. I can still apply this to my space, even if like that specific thing she mentioned isn't really what's happening. Do you know what I mean? So I'm I'm hoping that I actually haven't seen a need for a second edition quite yet. And every now and again, I think about would I write another book and what would I write about? And da, da, da. and then I remember, no, that's not my writing's not my favorite thing. It's not my favorite part. My favorite part <laughs> is getting in front of a group of people in a room and telling them this stuff, not not handing them books and being like, money, please. You know, it's like <laughs> working through stuff together, answering their questions in real time, making sure that I'm tailoring the training to their like physical space and the actual people that work there, you know. So that's what I love to do. And I, I'd be happy to just continue to do that forever. And even, you know, people that just read the book, I, because like I mentioned, I do like feminist consultations. I could just help with the language of your safer space protocols that you're going to post on your website. Or I can right. help you with the code of conduct of your space or, so, you know, like I I can I can do those things to you. You can do a lot. You can DIY it all you want. And then if you just need me for a little bit to just like double check everything and yep we're good here you know you're like the uh safer spaces editor yeah happy to <laughs> happy to be and i'll say as someone who has sat through a couple of your consultation sessions mm -hmm. maybe, they're great and i would highly mm -hmm. recommend uh anyone who wants to start a safer spaces group to definitely go that route mm, thank you thank yeah. you very much can I quote you on that? Put you on the website. <laughs> you can. <laughs> Put it on second edition of the book. Okay. <laughs> um, one of the other things that we talk about a lot is um, how bands and artists have to make a choice of what's more important to them, either standing up for their beliefs or making a living wage when it comes to tours or shows with possibly problematic bands. Um, how does War on Women handle those kind of tricky situations? Um, I don't understand the question because I don't know what you mean by making a living of touring. <laughs> well, right. Fair. I don't know. Understand. But, three breaks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that ain't us. Uh, and as my mom would say, well, not yet, sweetie. Oh, you know, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, mom. But I'm 40, so I'm pretty sure, like, this is it. Um, <laughs> we certainly would never accept a tour support offer from, like, a super shitty band like a known shitty band right like that's not gonna happen they probably wouldn't ask us with a band name like war and women <laughs> it really weeds people out uh that's yeah it's an automatic first step yeah like almost more than i want i, I, I like sometimes I'm, i wish we were like sneakier but i then i feel like well the riffs are sneaky maybe people come for the riffs and then they're like oh no i learned feminism <laughs> so uh we wouldn't do that and i don't think that there would be conversation with within the band like we don't even talk about it like just no pass but there has been you know maybe like a festival or two where we someone said oh hey by the way this band you're playing with on this festival they suck for these reasons and to varying degrees of harm and reasons you know like and it almost doesn't matter um but every situation is a little different and our answer to that has often been Okay, so the feminist band 
that's championing equality, you want them to not play? To the people that are definitely going to hear that shitty band, that shitty band's not going to quit. Like, I think people, maybe maybe they need to hear our side of things. Maybe they need to hear our perspective uh, even more than a a show where, where everyone's like-minded and on the same page. So really early on, we kind of realized that we were a band willing to convert, not just preach to the choir, that we were willing to go into potentially hostile spaces to put the message out there because we are so privileged being, you know, you know, we've, we've had a few band member changes over, you know, it's been over 10 years. So uh, people like getting paid so they don't always stay in the band, you know. <laughs> yeah. Not everyone is uh, willing to do this forever for no money. Have they heard about making a living on tour, though? Yeah. <laughs> no. I explain that. Um, anyway, but most of the band members have been white, not all. It's multi-gender, so there's, like, been men in the band. Uh, were of a certain age or a certain class, you know. And so we have a lot of privilege generally as individuals and as a band. And so we feel like, well, we're the ones that should go into these spaces to challenge them because we're not as afraid for our physical safety. Whereas some bands, it's not worth it to them. And that makes total sense. So how about we get in there and we'll we'll tell everybody. We'll we'll spread the message. So that's 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 how we approach things. But whenever we've found out like heard a complaint about someone, usually the first thing to do is to just find out more information. Like no decision should be made on like a rumor or like something that someone sort of heard one time. Right. Like that's not a way to live your life generally. And so I because that kind of shit can be used against victims, you know, like it's it's uh, like it can be twisted. Right. So we just try to learn more. We try to talk to the people involved or the person accused and just try to see, like, what what's your take? What happened? Like, what do you know? What's going on now? Like, what have you done? How are you, How did you fix this? Oh, you already made a statement, you know, like. Whatever it is, we just try to find out as much as we can, and then we just make a judgment call. Is this something that is worth doing because our message should be heard, and that's a little bit more important than what is, like, going on? And sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. Interesting. So it seems kind of like a it's a very well-thought-out process, but it's also somewhat situational depending on... Oh, it is case by case. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And I have found myself having long Zoom conversations with strangers in other countries, you know, to just talk about why they think a venue is problematic. And and then me explaining why, okay, well, maybe that means we should, we sh- maybe we should take over that venue for the night. We should make it a safer space for the night because the one employee that booked us, that's what they want it to be. And they're fighting against the management. And, and also it's in three days and there's not really, you know, like you just told us, right? Like there's all kinds of things that can go into making these decisions. And I think the fact that we're we're willing to go into hostile spaces is why it might look like we're more open to being around shitty people or shitty venues. And in a way that's true, but there's a reason, you know? And it's certainly not because like, well, if we play this shitty venue, then we're going to be famous and rich and this is really going to do it for us. Like, 
doesn't fucking matter, you know? <laughs> um, and But it makes sense to me why. Why some bands would just be like, fuck it, cancel. Like, we're out. I don't know. We just have a different mission. And, and you know, I believe in diverse tactics, right? Like, <laughs> there's room for everything because not everything can can reach people. You know, everybody's different. And so people need options and different ways to hear things and come across things and learn things. And so I think we're just part of that. And I think what's interesting about that, too, is say you hear about a problematic venue or something, you're like, okay, we're not going to play it. Okay, then everything goes on, nothing changes. But if you're like, no, we're going to go in there with our message and we're going to play it the way that we want to do it. And then, you know, you change a few people's minds or make them think about things a little differently. Maybe some people at the venue, then, okay, let's work towards changing how we do things here. Then that's awesome. That means more than just, you know, oh, fuck that place. We're just never. Yeah. That's the hope because if, I mean, just like people, if we say, fuck that place, something shitty happened there once or that dude shitty or, you know, whatever it is, whatever it is, well, eventually, then we're saying that about every venue. Something shitty happens everywhere. Someone shitty gets hired everywhere. And yes, extreme cases, and again, the details matter, but we could, if we start writing off every single space and thinking of it as unsavable, well, I see people doing that with people, right? And that's, that's the danger. And eventually, we've written everyone off. We get written off by someone else. You know, like we're all we're all on our own little island and we can't come back. And like that. And so all of that, that's not the fucking point of what I do. You know, the, the point of what I do is to help in some small way create a less violent world. And we do that by changing behavior, not by ostracizing people or venues or punishing them or putting them in a jail or whatever like that venue closes down they're gonna start another one in another town right you know uh they're gonna do something they're gonna hurt someone so how about we work towards making these spaces better and i don't know i'm just imagining someone right now listening to this being like well but fuck that place that i'm thinking of because that place sucks well maybe i haven't come across that place that you're thinking of and i'm thinking of other things and like i said like Every, every situation is different and nuanced and you don't know where to go or how to help or what the path forward is until you at least just are willing to talk to people about what's going on. And so that's where I start. I never think I'm going to end up in any in any particular decision. Like all I know is when I hear something like that, I stop and I just try to learn more and see what we can do and what people are even asking for us to do. That's awesome. That's a fabulous answer. And it's it's such a think piece because I think everyone's first reaction is if something either happened to them, to a friend or in their town, they're automatically like, fuck that band, fuck that venue. We're done with this. And when anyone comes through and they try to book at that place, we're going to let every band we love know to never, ever go there. And we're going to basically kick them out of the community, kick them out of the scene or whatever. But you're right. I mean, the venue is run by someone. It's got a number of employees. Maybe it was, you know, wrong place, wrong time, wrong person. That person's been fired, you know, and we talk all the time about transformative and restorative justice. 
we need to, you know, kind of apply that, I think, also towards the establishments as well. I mean, something happened back in 1994. We're not going to basically light the place on fire. Things were very different then. Things were different two months ago. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, then that's literally happened in Baltimore. We're a co-op space, volunteer run, super DIY, like no alcohol, all ages. Five years later, after some shitty stuff went down, shitty, yes, admittedly, like real shitty. But five years later, it's completely a completely different space, like all completely different people that just want to put on all ages show with no alcohol, you know, and they still had to answer for the behavior of people years ago that they didn't even know. Right. You know, that they never met, maybe. And that seems extreme, you know, and and I, what I think what's hard is just finding the balance of, yeah, not forgetting and making sure that if someone causes some amount of harm that they can do something to make up for it that's like commiserate to the amount of harm that they caused. And so we don't want to forget. We want to we want to make sure that they follow through with that, that they do that versus forgetting immediately and just like, well, I like that place, so I'm just going to go anyway. It doesn't have to be either. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think there's there's a balance to it. Yeah, like, yeah. I think I lost my metaphor in the middle there, but <laughs> well, basically, I think you you want to hold the people as accountable as you can. But if they start making the proper steps to move in the right direction, especially if we're talking about a venue, basically let them. Yeah, if yeah. they're trying to do better, let them. When you do that, like you were saying, this one did something wrong last year. This one did something wrong ten years ago. You're going to end up in an area where there's not any venues available, which means that you're decreasing the availability for arts and music within your town or city. Yeah, and, and now I want to be that. no, of course not. But I want to be really clear that there is a difference between an individual deciding, I don't know, that place takes me out. I'm I'm not going to go. Right and a community or scene just being like well fuck you forever and no one being like okay let's make this place better right like an individual has every right to go wherever the fuck they want to go right it's fine mm -hmm. like if i might have a bad memory of an ex-boyfriend at a place and i just don't want to go to that place anymore some restaurant you know like like whatever i don't have to go there that's fine not the restaurant's fault you know but i don't have to go there <laughs> But if the restaurant is fucked up or, you know, blah, 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 maybe I still wouldn't be the one that goes there. But someone, someone should step up and try to make it better, whether that's the right. new employees, the new management, the community saying, look, we really want this restaurant. We want this venue. Like, we want to come here. Can you do this stuff to make it safer? Can you, like, read Shauna's book? Here's a copy. Buy them a copy and give it to them. <laughs> make them read it. Is it your friend? Has he fucked up? Take him to therapy. Make sure he's getting the help that he needs to be a better person, right? When we fuck up, when we cause harm, the people closest to us are the ones that should be holding us accountable until we can hold ourselves accountable. So it's not the responsibility of my victim to help me or fix me, but my friends, my family, my partner. That's who should be like, okay, let's do this. You know, like, it's hard. It sucks. It's not easy. But it must be done. Because if that never happens, then eventually everyone has been canceled. So speaking of hostile uh, spaces. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> we're going to segue into another uh, sometimes hostile uh, place um, called Twitter. I thought you were saying the internet. <laughs> the internet. Yeah, really. The internet in general. 
So something that I was sort of interested to get your take on is uh, recently the great artist uh, Doja Cat mentioned mm-hmm. in an article or in an interview that uh, she is interested in making a hardcore punk album. And a section of the of Twitter sort of blew up about this and being like, not in my scene, like, she's not hardcore. How can she be doing something like that? Gee, was it old white men? It could be. Wow, it what was. a shock. Yeah. And Haley Williams brought up similar points during Paramore's set at the most recent While We Were Young Fest about, again, older white men telling her that she wasn't punk rock because of the style of music they play or whatever. As an active participant and member of an underground music scene, do you sort of see people with these thoughts and ideas kind of being in the minority? Or is it still like wildly prevalent and it's always going to be there? Or do you kind of see it like kind of going away with the sort with uh, incoming like Gen Z? I, f- I feel like the complainers are often the loudest, you know? I think it's a matter of like who's who's the loudest. Just because they're the loudest doesn't mean that they're in the majority or that we right. you know, have to take what they're saying seriously or that Doja Cat should take them seriously in any way. You know, and secondly, Doja Cat call me. What the fuck? Let's do something. <laughs> I would love Hello? to see that. This is the split album I want. <laughs> I mean, we're working on new stuff. I could sure you you could practice by doing some guest vocals on a song and see how you know, try it on for size before you do your own project. Yes. Um yes. happy to help. Also, you know what I think of? I think like who has the right to be more who has more of a right to be angry? Like white people, we did limp biscuit. We did rap rock. Like, don't black people have more of a right to be yeah. like, what the fuck are you doing to our shit? Yeah. You know? a, a black woman in today's world? Like, yeah, I want to yeah. hear that hardcore record. Yeah. Like, that just sounds like so much better than Limp Biscuit or Corn or whatever. <laughs> Sorry. No, that's, that wasn't my thing. I was like listening to Matador Records at the time. So I was not into any of that stuff. <laughs> I think it's just the death rattle of a group that is feeling outnumbered, even though they literally aren't. But they're feeling change happen. They don't like it. It makes them scared, which they show as anger. And it also coincides with people being very online and like thinking anyone cares about what they think. And I've been thinking a lot lately, actually, about that how like for the past few years i have so i've had so many thoughts that i'm like oh i should tweet this and then i'm like no i shouldn't no one cares it doesn't matter and like you know learning learning to share my life like on facebook back in the day and then trying to learn to not share it as much and to realize it doesn't it doesn't matter it might even be harmful like it's like pointless it's so pointless and so just thinking that like everyone deserves to hear your opinion everyone is their own star of the show and it's just such a weird a weird thing. We weren't necessarily having to even be aware of all these thoughts and feelings that people had, and then we wouldn't be bothered by it. And then Doja Cat can make her album in peace, you know? Um, and so I hate the idea that, like, she even had to notice all of that hate or that she might, it might even give her any pause. Uh, I really hope that uh, she seems like a person that's like, who gives a shit? And so I, I hope that that's, that's true. 
I mean, Mariah Carey made a... a... Oh, I'm well aware. Yeah, she made that <laughs> alternative or whatever. Can I tell you something? Um, This seems like a thing I would put on Twitter, and then I was like, no, no one cares. It doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> So I'll tell you instead, but I bought that fucking chick CD... Oh, really? Probably Best Buy at a time in my life where, you know, I had a little bit of money. I don't know if it was like, I can't remember my age, so I don't know if it was allowance or like my first job at 16. But I'd go into a store and buy things just off the cover. Like I discovered the breeders like that, you know, like I've gotten really lucky. There's also been, I've also been like, oh, this is terrible. Oh, well. (laughs) And I had that kind of expendable income. I was like hanging out in the CD store, like just going off the cover. And I bought that album and I wanted it to be great because I already loved Bikini Kill. I loved Helium. I loved Hole, Babes in Toyland. And I was like, this could be, this could be it. Another great one. And I thought, God, this fucking sucks. It sucks so bad. (laughs) And I wanted to like it. I tried listening to it multiple times. I wanted to like it and I just didn't and I got rid of it. And I'm so mad now. I'm so mad now that I got rid of it. I would love yeah. to listen to it in full on CD, like yeah. to just be like, put myself back in time and be like, okay, okay, is this good? Is it fine? Maybe. Like, was I just too judgmental? Cause I was like a kid. So I was like, it's not punk enough. It's not cool enough. You know, maybe I just wasn't, uh, you know, back then you're like so much more judgmental about stuff and right. you feel so much ownership over bands and. And I liked my pop music to be pop music, and I liked my punk to be punk, and never the two shall meet. So <laughs> maybe now I'd be like, oh, this not so bad. It's fine. I don't know. So I'm sorry, Mariah, uh, that I got rid of that CD. Um, but I would love, love, love to hear her voice up front in the mix. I would love I was going to gonna say, maybe we'll get lucky. And I mean, she's teased that she- I know. I know. It's eventually. very exciting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that story blew my fucking mind because I, I had a connection to it and then got rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> so you had started out in your introduction talking about how while you're currently in a like on paper punk band now, um, a lot of the bands that you were in before were punk in kind of mentality. The idea of punk and hardcore and kind of this whole like underground alt scene that we're all a part of is is said to be anti-racism, anti-sexism, anti-homophobia, all of that. Why do you think that this scene has such a hard time with the idea of believing women when it comes to allegations of sexual assault? Because every scene exists in this society. And this society has a problem with it. Like, I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck what scene you're in, what you think your genre does, or if you think your genre is better than some other genre for, you know... Like, you can think you're outside the margins all you want, but unless you're actively working towards equality for everyone, you're just going to regurgitate the same shit you were taught, even through osmosis, you know? Like, even if it wasn't explicit, like, the stuff you absorbed, you're going to uh, repeat it until you learn something else until you take an active step to do something else. I don't know. Sometimes I notice, like, um, that there's a real, like, you know, anti-racism and, like, we work towards anti-racism, blah, blah, blah. And, like, racism still happens, obviously, 100%. But there's a lot of, like, talk in the talk in the punk scene about stuff like that. And then you say, cool, but women, what about uh, what about you? You're fine. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you have rights. What's what's the problem? Like, there's something about well, we can we can. I don't know if people can see it more easily if it comes to racism or transphobia or what, or if they feel like well, so, like somehow it's been made uncool enough to be racist that people are like, well, I am not racist. You know, obviously, like like we know racism is not cool, and I'm cool, and so they make a big point of like letting everyone know they're not racist even if they're not even doing anything about it but i sometimes i feel like with sexism and i think with disability yeah like it's just like what what's wrong what are you talking about oh uh sorry you know (laughs) i don't know it's odd i can't someone more educated than me should write about it i but i feel like it exists and i guess my point is that we have to make it uncool to be sexist and or or anyist right any ism like we have to make them all so uncool that people are like fuck okay fine i guess i won't be sexist anymore. okay 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 i won't be ableist anymore you know we have to make people think about it but they can't stop there of course they have to do something uh, sometimes the groups that i train i train all kinds of different venues groups people whatever sometimes the ones that feel like they're already really progressive and they have their shit together are the ones that make my job harder during the day. <laughs> That's not shocking. <laughs> that, 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 that almost offer me a little more resistance to my ideas, to the program, because they're like, but we got this. So what are you talking about? Whereas the people that are like, we don't know what we're doing. Like, just tell us, like, we'll do it. I don't know. I just want to help i want to be good i don't know what to do help us you know they they take it all in and they can and anyone can have questions and like need to work some shit out but that's not the same as as uh as as being like "Mm, are you sure about that you know (laughs) that they're coming with like preconceived notions of how to to move forward yeah or that they that they got it already and that there isn't anything new to learn right and and i i know this personally this i've i've felt this way for a long time when i've started my journey into activism and being um anti-racist and all of that is like you have to just accept that you do not know everything and you never will and if you can accept that i think a heavy burden goes away you know because it's stressful to be like can i if, if i could just get to the end of my anti-racism learnings if i could just get to the end faster then i'll be anti-racist and then i'm done if you just know like no i'll never be done then it's a little easier to make a mistake apologize for it and make up for it and then move the fuck on instead of letting your shame or guilt tie you down and prevent you from doing anything at all you know so you can just still be of help if you're not being weighed down so heavily by pointless emotions you know so yeah i think just knowing we don't know everything and we never will so let's keep learning and if you can do that you're going to be great and if you don't then you're going to be like the white man has i'm mad at reagan i'm just so mad at reagan i have the most right to be angry you know and it's like okay nope that's not true (laughs) and you know i think another part of that is acknowledging the fact that you know rape culture is a thing and it exists in 
a myriad of different ways. If you know, it's a half naked woman in a beer commercial, or it's some dude in a pop punk band writing lyrics about the girl who broke his heart and he wants to get even with her. It's all it's all connected in some way, and working to dismantle that is, I think, a big step. Also, I don't know how we ever get there, but you know, one one person at a time, right? Yeah, I think you know that might be a good theme of this podcast is is um, to keep it keep it local, keep it personal. Like try to make every interaction you have uh, a little bit better for the person you're dealing with. Because that's that's what we're going to come across most. We're going to witness kind of your everyday isms and like the smaller stuff and, you know, verbal harassment. Like, like that's what we're going to see most often in our lives. Like we pro- not everyone comes across an assault, you know, and can stop it. Right. Um, and so it's that those little things that we have the power to interrupt or prevent or respond to in a way that's helpful to the recipient. And so to know that like, yeah, you're not some superhero flying in. You're not, it's not all this big grand gesture stuff. It's it's all the small stuff. It's every little interaction, every little thing you could do. It all adds up because all that terrible shit that the people on the receiving end uh, experience, all those little things, they add up for them, right? So like we know that, and this is in the book and maybe it's common knowledge now, I don't know, but all the little like microaggressions and harassment and discrimination and the slights and the, and whatever, uh, all those little moments add up for people. They're cumulative. They don't just go away when they're over. And so they're not small for the people that experience them, but your effort to make it better for them can be small. I'm trying to relieve some of the pressure of like, doing better you know yeah. by just saying like you don't know everything so stop worrying about that right you never know everything and most of the time whatever you're gonna do it's gonna be the small moment but it makes a big impact on the person that you're interacting with enough is a podcast centering on surviving abuse harassment and assault in the music scene to help get the word out please like and subscribe and share with your friends if you have been on the receiving end of harm from someone be it artist venue owner booking agent, audience member, or someone else, and would like to share your story on a future episode, please reach out to us at thisisenoughpodcast at gmail.com. All correspondences are kept confidential.